Well, good morning. I am a little discombobulated here for a second. I've been uh, running around, but turn with me to John chapter 21, if you will. John chapter 21. We started a message last week. Uh, been in a, in a series this year. Uh, our theme is each one, reach one. We've been in a series uh, titled WDJD, What Did Jesus Do? Looking at the things that Jesus did in his life as an example to us to show us how to be uh, successful in ministry and successful at living life as Christians, as followers of his. And uh, we started the message last week that uh, I think this morning, my morning uh, has been a perfect example of why uh, we need what I'm preaching about. I've got a little bit of feedback, if I could go down a little bit. Um, we've talked about the things that Jesus did, and we, uh, the first thing we talked about was that Jesus managed his personal life. Jesus took care of his personal life. Uh, he proved his ministry with credibility. He followed the, followed the Father's plan obediently. And last week we started this message that said Jesus rested intentionally. And sometimes life just gets crazy, right? Uh, this morning, uh, I got a phone call from my mom. And many of you who are on the, those of you who are on the text, the prayer chain, uh, got the, the text that I sent out. Uh, my mom called me and uh, not really in a panic, but uh, in a uh, distressed is a, probably the best word for it. Uh, my dad, they've had problems with his blood pressure all week long being too low. Uh, this morning, his blood pressure was 79 over 34. And my dad, if you don't know, is 85. He's had five heart attacks. He's on his third pacemaker. He's had quadruple bypass. And his heart is just about done. Uh, and my mom was very different on the phone this morning. Uh, she's very, very distressed. And uh, so I had that. And uh, then getting the boys uh, going and all our morning at the house, getting all that done. And then uh, I wasn't in here for the worship time because I was in the nursery uh, spending time with my grandson. And uh, yeah, my, he was he's having a little rough time back there crying, little Jack. And uh, so I get back to, I get to be poppy for a little while. So this morning, I've had a full morning of being a son, of being a husband, of being a father, and being a grandfather. And it's not even noon. So it's true what the Army says, we do more before 9 a.m. than most people do all day, right? And I'll tell you, I'm already kind of tired. After this, Zach and Tiffany are leaving here and going down to Rhode Island for a wedding, so I get to babysit Jack all day long. Erin has some classwork she has to get done for her, uh, her college class, and at the same time, Gabriel and Michael, their all-star team, is playing in the champion in the final game. It's for, the, it's for third place for the uh, tournament in Belchertown that they've been playing in all week long. And then I get to come home with two boys and Jack and uh, watch my grandson until 10 o'clock and then get up tomorrow morning because the next team they're going to be playing for starts practice tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. And uh, that's actually not the next one. The next one is the Little League World Series All-Star team. The one they're going to practice for tomorrow is for the Mighty Mites tournament after that. So they're going to be practicing for the Mighty Mites team while they're playing in the Little League World Series right after they've played in the Green Monster tournament. It's busy. And life gets very busy. And that's just a micro, my, my life is just a pretty much a reflection of what you go through all the time, right? Because we're all very, very busy. And if we don't understand that uh, it's great. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about any of that. I love it. I absolutely, I absolutely loved being back there in the nursery. My grandson um, doesn't give me the time of day right now. And all this time, I, was, I, I picked him up, and he allowed me to pick him up. Then I sat down on the couch with him, and he never, he never looked at me, but he leaned over next to me. And he leaned into me, and he stopped crying, 
and I was able to stroke his hair and pat his back. And, and uh, he sat there. We sat there for about 10 minutes, and he didn't cry. just sat there. And when I started to get up, he reached up, and he grabbed my arm and pulled me back down. So I love that, man. I love, I love connecting with my grandson that way. And uh, I love my two youngest boys most of the time. And uh, <laughs> probably 85% of the time. The other 15%, just kidding. Um, absolutely love baseball. I love watching them play. It is amazing. It's, it's so, so much fun. I sat down with my, my oldest boy last night, and we had a long conversation. So I love that, right? And, and I, not many people, if we were to take a poll here this morning, I don't think many people would raise their hand and say, I hate my life, right? Because I think most of us really love our lives. But life is busy. Life is crazy. And throw into it all, throw into all of that. And listen, man, that's just life right there. That's just being a dad. That's just being a husband. That's just being a grandfather. Now, I get to, I get to go to work right now. You know, now, now the show goes on for me. Now, I, now I, I become a pastor. And that's the way it is for all of us in our lives. We get, we're, we're maybe overloaded, maybe not. We love our lives, but if we're not careful, we will miss the fact that as we live life and as we minister and as we serve others with a heart from God to help others' lives be better and even... Uh, even though it's difficult sometimes, we're still doing it out of heart of love and ministry, we wear ourselves out. We get worn down. We talked about that last week. John chapter 21, beginning of verse 24, we'll just read these, kind of a stepping off point for this uh, message. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. What we have recorded of Jesus, just his ministry, the three years of ministry that he, that he performed, was pretty amazing. And he was giving and giving and giving of himself constantly. And the Bible tells us, I mean, can you imagine, just think about this. Think about this for a minute. The story of the feeding of the 5,000. That, that's 5,000 people. Okay, now, now, now the Bible says that that was 5,000 men. And back in that day, the Jews um, counted just the men, the head of the families. So they, it was very much more than likely that there were at least that many women and quite a few children. So it's possible, some have estimated that there were between 25 and 30,000 people here, okay? Um, but let's just keep it at 5,000. Five biscuits and two fish. How long does it take to rip apart enough food to feed 5,000 people? And then to feed them. And then, I mean, we've got, a, we've got a chef back here, ask him how long it takes to prepare a meal. Right? A, a decent meal, not a, not a hot pocket, you know, which is, which is like, my hot pocket is like my level of a hot pocket. And listen, I make a mean ego. Look out. You want egos? Come see me, baby. And uh, English muffins? Absolutely. The secret to a good English muffin is you toast it till it's crispy, and then you put a nice, nice layer of butter so it gets a little bit soggy. Then you load on the skippy and... Maybe grape, grape jam or strawberry. Strawberry if you're really feeling uh, happy for the day. But listen, listen, I didn't get this way by eating kale. Okay? Seriously. Um, but Jesus' day was full. His days were full. And John says what he's recorded, what has been recorded of Jesus, is just a, just a small picture of what he actually did and how busy his life was. So Jesus was amazingly busy as well. Yet he showed us by example the importance of resting intentionally. And that's what we started talking about last week. We, we said uh, the first fact I shared with you was that when done correctly, ministry can be intense and exhausting. And here at New Life, my philosophy of ministry, one of the, the, the aspects of my philosophy of ministry is this. Life is ministry and ministry is life. The Bible says everything we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we should do everything for the glory of God. So that means all parts of your life are to be done with a sense of ministry to glorify God. That means at work, at home. 
uh, at play. Whatever it is you do, you should do things to glorify God. Do things with a sense of, I'm a Christian, I'm representing Jesus Christ, and I need to do my best, be my best, honor him in some way. But when done correctly, it is intense and can be exhausting. The second thing we saw was that sometimes we can get so busy that we forget to take care of our spiritual stuff, right? You get so busy that at the end of the day, you realize, man, I didn't take time to pray. Man, I didn't take time to read my Bible. I didn't even take time to read the verse of the day that flashes on my phone, right? We can get so busy, and it's not busyness with, with silly stuff. It's busyness with the good things. It's busyness with being a good employee, being a good mom, being a good dad, being a good husband, being a good wife, working in the church, doing things that are good, are beneficial and profitable. But it doesn't take away from the fact that you're so busy that you have forgotten to restore and replenish. And the third thing we saw was we must learn to rest and restore intentionally. It must be built into our lives. We must learn how to rest and restore intentionally. It must be built into our lives. So that brings us to the next point that we're going to look at this morning. The first, the, and, and that is this. The question, what is spiritual rest? It's okay to, you know, it's wonderful to talk about this. It's wonderful to have a, an idea and to, and to throw the Christian terminology around, right? It's, it's great to, to, uh, to have an understanding and to, and to talk like a Christian is supposed to talk. But let's explain it, because sometimes we can use Christian terms but not really understand what we're talking about, right? So what is spiritual rest? Let me give you... Uh, the first definition, intentional break in life, including ministry activity, to refresh and restore your spiritual and physical self. It's an intentional break in life, including ministry activity, to refresh and restore your physical and spiritual self. Now, this is aside from sleep patterns, because people say, oh, well, I, I sleep at night. That's not what we're talking about. No, you need to sleep. Everybody needs sleep. Everybody needs rest, right? But spiritual rest goes beyond that. I know what a lot of people say, and I've actually had people say this to me. Maybe you've said it. You don't have to raise your hand because I don't want to put you on the spot, but if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Right? If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Nobody else, nobody else cares about this. Don't you see the, the, the job that needs to get done here? Well, if I don't... If I don't reach out, nobody else is going to reach out. I can't take the time to take a break. When I'm dead, I'll rest. I've had anybody had somebody say that to him? When I'm dead, I'll rest. Okay? Listen, let me just throw this at you. When you think that you can't afford to take a rest, or your life is too busy, or too many people depend on you, because that's what it is. We, we make ourselves not only the center of our universe, but the center of everybody else's. Now, I'm not saying that's an arrogant thing that we do, but we, many times, and some of you, especially some of you women, I'm not picking on you, I'm just telling, just telling the truth. Some of you put yourself in a position of being the center of everybody else's universe, you take on everybody else's problems. You take on everybody else's issues. You take on everybody else's work, everybody else's business. Even if you're not the one doing it, you still take on the pressure that they feel because they can't get their work done, right? You take on all that stress. And gentlemen, same thing. You take on the stress for your family, for other people. Um, and, and, and we just bring that on ourselves. And it's not in an arrogant way. It's just the way we are. Most times, if you're just a caring individual who loves others and wants to be a good friend, a good family member, a good mom or dad, good husband or wife, you tend to do this. You take on everybody else's stuff. When you think that you can't afford to rest or your life is too busy or too many people depend on you, remember this. Jesus slept during a storm. Remember that. Jesus slept during a storm. And this wasn't a little rainstorm with a little bit of wind. We'll read the passage here in a minute. This was a life-challenging storm. 
me make this statement to you. Not every crisis or activity needs your fingerprint on it. And not everyone needs to depend on you for help. You need to understand that. My father, one of the lessons he taught me uh, when I was going into ministry is this. John, you need to be able to say no. You need to be able to say no. Not everything requires your attention. Now, my dad is not the person. You can ask my nephew, Jeremy, who spent a lot of time in this church under my dad's ministry. My father is not the one to follow that example of. It's great to hear him say that, but my dad, as, as Cliff would attest, my dad uh, felt like he had to take response. Even today, even today, he's, the, he's not been the pastor here for the last 17 years, but my dad still feels like he needs to take on the burden of everything else. That's just how he's wired. But not everything needs to have your fingerprint on it. I am, I'm finally learning this lesson. We're finally at a point where I feel comfortable. We've got a great group of deacons and some great team leaders in our church who are taking over some responsibilities that I can step away from now and not worry about. These things are getting done. So I can now focus on other stuff that I really need to be focusing on. Is it difficult? Absolutely. Our assistant pastor isn't in here right now, but I'll let you know this. That's a lesson I am drilling into his head right now. I have people, I have put people in positions that he used to answer for, and he doesn't answer for them. Well, he'll answer to me, but that's just because I'm his dad. Um, but he is now having to learn to let go of things because other people, listen, other people are qualified to do things in life, right? Other people are qualified to get the job done. But it's not going to, anytime you start throwing stuff in there like that, but, 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 you are saying, I am indispensable. I need to be a part of this. I need to be involved. I need to, I need to be the one to make sure it's done right. Right? Sometimes the job getting done is enough. You need to understand that. But let's investigate this a little bit more. Jesus slept during a storm. What do we mean by that? Mark chapter 5, verses 35 and 40. On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> Check it out, man. It was such a bad storm that the waves were breaking over the boat. It was bad. And Jesus was sleeping in the back. He wasn't down below decks. He was just sleeping in the stern on a cushion. So they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? How many of you have ever been made to feel guilty by somebody who thinks you don't care about what's going on in their life? And because of your guilt, because of the fact that they make you feel guilty, you now overextend yourself, right? You need to learn how to rest. You need to learn how to say no. You need to learn how to take a break. Because what's going to happen is, if you don't learn how to rest and take that break and take care of yourself, you are going to collapse spiritually. And at some point, I'm going to have to fill your spot in this church. Because you are going to become tired and worn out. And what, happened, what follows fatigue is disillusionment. And what follows disillusionment is bitterness. And then separation. It's okay to say no, especially at New Life. Listen, one of the, one of the things that I, we do intentionally here, because I've, remember, I, I've, I, was, I was born on a Saturday in Saba, Puerto Rico. Came out of the hospital on Thursday. The following Sunday, I was in church. And I've been in church ever since. And I've been in a lot of different churches. And some my dad was the pastor of, others I've been on staff at. And I've seen a lot of different pastors do a lot of different things. And a lot of different churches run their ministries a lot of different ways. And I've seen churches that have become so 
overextended in ministry that the pastor doesn't even know what's going on and most people don't even know certain ministries exist. That's crazy. That's crazy. Here at New Life, we believe in minimal ministry. We do a few things and we want to do it well. We want to do it best. We don't need a ministry for every breath we take. We don't need a ministry for every little nook and cranny in life. We need things that people can connect over, things that we can reach out to others with. We're starting a men's ministry this, this, uh, this summer, later on in this summer. I've asked four men to be part of the leadership team, not one, four. Why? Because we need men that can help each other, lift each other up, strengthen each other, and tell the other guy, hey, take a break, I got it this time. But it's not going to be crazy you know, all kinds of different. It's going to be a men's ministry where men can come together and connect and talk about things that apply and appeal to men and help men deal with men problems, men issues. So we believe in, in, in minimal ministry. We'll get as many people involved as we possibly can. But I don't want to overextend the people of my church because I want you to connect as much as possible. I think that's what's, what's best. I see that these individuals were panicked and they were trying to make Jesus feel bad. I mean, <laughs> how? Seriously. Don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? Sometimes we get so worn out that that's our cry to him too, isn't it? Don't you care that we're going to die? And these guys were fishermen. They spent their lives on the sea. So this must have been a pretty bad storm. So I see that they made this appeal to him. The Bible doesn't say Jesus said anything to him. It says he got up, rebuked the wind, and told the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And I think he went back to bed. <laughs> when you think you're, you're too indispensable... When you think you're too valuable, when you think nothing can get done without you, just remember Jesus slept during a storm. What is that? What else is spiritual rest? It is an intentional act of faith that says you trust God to meet all of your needs. Now we're getting personal. You see, spiritual rest isn't just taking a break. It's not just saying no. It's you putting your faith in Jesus Christ, saying, God, I trust you to handle this. I trust you to take care of this. I'll trust you to deal with this issue right now because I know what's best for me is to take a break. I know I'm not required to be the one that gets that done. What's important is that I follow your will and put your trust in me. It's an intentional act of faith that puts a check on your stress. Because the busier we get, the more stressed we get. The more stressed we get, the more, uh, I don't know about you, but I get a little, when I get stressed, I get a little short. And I was, this morning I was praying all morning, God, please don't let me take the stress of my dad out on my boys. I don't want my boys to feel uh, my stress, okay? I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm, I'm trusting you. I can't be there. My sisters who, uh, I guess I could trust them, Jeremy, right? Uh, my sisters are there taking care of it with my mom. Uh, I don't want my boys, I don't want my wife to feel my stress. Resting and trusting God and putting your faith in him that he's going to get it, the job done is an intentional act on, of faith on your part. Faith in God. I don't think we have this on the slide, but Psalm 23 is a perfect example of this, isn't it? The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Take a break right there for a second. How often do we overextend ourselves for things we don't need? 
for things we simply want, for things we think are important but truly aren't, for ministry opportunities that really aren't down our alley. We just want to be a part of it. We just feel like we have to be a part of it because if we're not a part of it, it's not going to be as good as it can be, right? He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And when he does that, he renews my life. When was the last time you allowed Jesus to provide a place spiritually for you to lie down? Remember when you were a kid? Now, out here in the field, we have... Sometimes I was talking to Jeremy this morning... It has been like the invasion of the clover monsters. We have the, you know, the, the little clovers. It's like Horton Hears a Who, a little puff there. It's, uh, it's the clover with the white top that the bees love to be on. When I was a kid, I used to love to lay down in that stuff. It smells great. It's comfortable. And I, I was one of those guys, I like to look up at the clouds, right, and see what you could do. In the, there wasn't a whole lot to do in the 60s. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you were seven or eight, okay? <laughs> but that was so, so peaceful, so restful. It was comfortable. Not so much now. I think my, my old body may not like that. I may not be able to get back up. But I think about that. I think about those times as a kid when I'd go out and I'd just lay down in a, in a yard or, or in a field. I was so comfortable and so calm and so peaceful. And that's what God wants to do for me. He wants to provide a, a comfortable place for me to rest spiritually. He leads me beside quiet waters. When you're, the, the, there's something about water that will, that will calm you and the quiet waters that you can just sit and relax and rest and, and then start thinking and meditating and getting yourself together. This is what he wants to do for you. When was the last time you allowed him to provide a place of peace to lay down, a place of quietness, quiet water that, that takes away stress and just relaxes and calms you? When was the last time you allowed him to renew your life? He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. And that is a, that is a, a, a psalm of peace, of quiet, of rest. But honestly, when was the last? I mean, it's, it's wonderful to think about, right? It's wonderful to talk about, oh, it's, he brings such peace to my life. Oh, he provides such a, a calming influence. When was the last time? Seriously, folks, let's get serious about life. When was the last time in your life you allowed him to bring that peace to your spirit? Seriously, the transition I just made from like uh, Mr. Rogers to the Grinch <laughs> is what most of us are, right? It's what most of our life is like. There's no time for peace. There's too much work to be done. People need me. Don't you understand? There's a storm going on. Who sleeps during a storm? Oh, <laughs> forgot that one. Thirdly, it's personal time that you take for your relationship with Jesus to read the Bible, pray, and meditate. Now we break it down. Well, what, do I, what am I supposed to do in that quiet pasture? What am I supposed to do by those peaceful waters? Many of us wouldn't know what to do. I, I find it funny at some of these games, at all of these games, these uh, uh, baseball games, because in Little League, if your kids play Little League baseball, you uh, have to agree as a parent to certain stipulations. And one of them is this. You are not allowed to coach your child on the field. Know why? Because adults can be real so-and-sos to their eight-year-old kids. I've seen several kids this year break down 
in tears because of the pressure of their parents. They're eight. They're eight. What in the world are you doing to your eight-year-old? I find it kind of sad that we have to make that rule that you can't ride your kid from the bench. But I see everybody brings a nice lawn chair, right? And it's got the, it's got the big gulp cup holders on the side. And I take mine. And I don't know why, because nobody sits down. <laughs> nobody sits down during these games. How am I going to sit down when my, my son is playing left field? I've got, what am I going to do? He's, somebody's going to tell him where to, what to do. Somebody's going to tell him how to, how to play. By the way, they're playing in Belchertown, and they have a mini Fenway there. And Gabriel was in left field, okay? And, um, man, they were playing East Hampton. And they got some bangers on this team. And one kid hit a shot over Gabriel's head. And Gabriel had to run back. Gabriel's got a big, big arm. That means he could throw really well. The ball rolled to the wall. That's almost 200 feet for an eight-year-old. It's easy in the park home run, except Gabriel Chase, Manning left field. He ran out. No lie, Lewis. He ran out, picked the ball up at the base of the wall, took three steps, and fired, not a rainbow, fired a frozen rope strike to the third baseman who was standing at third base, caught the ball, the crowd went quiet, and everybody just looked at second base because that's where the kid stopped. Like, <clears throat> yeah, that's my son. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna sit down. <laughs> right? We don't know how to rest. We don't know how to take the time Yes, we can see what the Bible says, and we can see the principles, and we can understand, and we can all shake our heads and say, yeah, that sounds so great. Yes, he does that all the time. Jesus slept during a storm. What an amazing God he is. What a great example, but I could never do that. Because we won't allow ourselves. We won't give ourselves permission to take time. And what we're saying and what we're, under, what we're, what we're not understanding is this. When you don't take time to rest spiritually... You're exhausting already depleted resources. And you're getting farther and farther and farther down the road of spiritual exhaustion, which, remember, leads to spiritual frustration, which leads to spiritual failure, which, which leads to walking away. See, this just isn't a a nice little thing we do so that we can give ourselves an excuse to read and have a cup of coffee. This is important stuff. We must need, we must learn to rest. It's important. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Don't be frustrated just because everybody else won't take a rest or everybody else is doing stuff and getting ahead. The Bible says, wait on God. Let him lead you beside those quiet places. That's what spiritual rest is, being willing to step away from life and step away from the busyness and step away from the ministry and step away from the chaos and the crazy and sit down and spend time with your Savior. Remember the story of Elijah? Elijah had just had won the great battle on Mount Carmel with the, uh, the prophets of Baal, over a thousand prophets of Baal, and it was just Elijah. And the nation of Israel was watching, and they were putting their God to the test. And the prophets of Baal cut themselves and danced and did all this stuff to call fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice, and nothing happened. And Elijah sat there, and he told him to pour water and drench that sacrifice and fill the trench all around it. And there was so much water there. It was amazing. And the sacrifice, no, the sacrifice shouldn't have burned, no doubt about it. And Elijah said like a 52-word prayer. Basically, God, prove yourself to these doubting people. And fire came down from heaven. It consumed the sacrifice. It burnt up the altar. And it, the Bible says it licked up all the water around it. An amazing display of the power of God. Elijah takes off. And the Bible says Elijah got threatened by uh, the queen. So he went into the desert. And Elijah didn't take time to rest and restore. Even though God was providing for him, Elijah, the Bible says, was at the point of wanting to die. And remember what he said to God? He, he, he went out 
and uh, God, the Bible says God provided food for him from the ravens. Let's uh, put him by the brook Cherith, nice brook where he could drink. They said, go, on, go and stand on the mountain. So he went out to the mountain and fire and great wind. But the Bible says God wasn't in the whirlwind. God wasn't in the fire. And after all of that chaos, what happened? A still small voice. That was God. And that's where Elijah could rest and restore and hear from God. And he expressed his complaint. Listen, times of rest and quiet are not simply times to, uh, to just read your Bible. It's time to talk to God. Some of you who have complaints against God, have complaints to God about the way you've been treated, about the way things have gone in your life, about the way your life is right now. How did I get to this point? What's going on, God? Don't you care about me? Like the disciples in the boat. Don't you care that we're going to die? That's the kind of stuff God wants to hear in these quiet moments. Elijah looked at or talked to God and he said, God said, what's the problem, Elijah? He says, everybody's deserted you except me. I'm the only one that will stand for you. I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only one that's, God, if the job doesn't get done, if, if I don't do the job, it's not going to get done, God. Sound familiar? God, nobody else cares about this church. Don't you get it? Don't you get it, God? I'm the only one who has the good, the, the, the true best intention. God, I'm the only one that knows how to do this job. I'm the only one, God. Do you realize you're saying that to God? And he wants to hear it. Because he looked at Elijah and said, okay, I hear you. I hear your complaint. But I need you to understand, I've got 6,000 men out here just waiting. So there's help. You know why you didn't get help, Elijah? Because you didn't look for it. You didn't ask for it. Because you were too busy doing what you thought was important. Sometimes, folks, the reason we don't get a break in life is because we don't look for a break, we don't ask for a break, and we don't look around and ask and see if anybody else is willing to help. One of the things I love about our children's ministry director is she is always, she's, she's, like, she's like an army recruiter. She is always recruiting. She is always recruiting, always looking for people to get involved, always looking for people to, to jump on board and help in the children's ministry. Always, always, always. She asked me. So I'm, I'm busy. Just kidding. Personal time you take for your relationship with Jesus Christ. Quickly through this last one. How do we practice spiritual rest? First thing you must do is acknowledge God as your source of rest. As your source of rest. Acknowledge God as your source of rest. It is his responsibility. He has taken that on himself. Acknowledge him as your source of rest. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, all, you who are, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I share this with you? Ministry should not stress you to the point of breaking. Ministry should not stress you to the point of wanting to quit and throw in the towel. Ministry should not be such a burden that you no longer want to be a part of it and that it, it starts to stress relationships in your life and it brings stress between you and other people. Oh man, I'll tell you what. I've worked in situations like that. I've been on staffs of churches where it wasn't, it wasn't a nice time. We're serving God. We're building a church. We're reaching people for the gospel. Doesn't matter, you're not doing it my way. Ministry should not stress you like that. That's not what Jesus wants. It should be invigorating. Yes, it's tiring. Yes, it's, it, it makes you weary. But now he wants to restore you during those times. He says, come to me. I am your source of rest. 
Let me take you on a cruise, right? <laughs> you need to be intentional about your rest because you don't always know what is best for you. You think I can keep going when you're one step away from total collapse. You think you can keep going, but you're one step away from total collapse. You've got to learn to rest. Secondly, not only do you need to acknowledge God as your source of rest, while resting, focus on your own spiritual health. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the most difficult things for me as a pastor is to separate my personal devotions from my study and preparation. Because every time I read a passage, I'm like, wow, that would make a good series. <laughs> and I have to break away from it. You know what I've started reading? I've started reading the Psalms. Not a psalm a day. Not a... Not uh, the Psalms along with, you know, like the, the Bible reading in a year. I've just started to read the Psalms. And I've started, I, uh, when I get in my car, if I go to the gym, I put it on my headphones, and I'll just listen to it. My goodness. There's so much depth and so much wisdom and so much life and challenge that is addressed in the book of Psalms. And it's something for me that is totally separate from what I do here. And it's allowed me to take in some of that passion of David and, and quite honestly, heal some areas of my heart and my life that have needed healing. Gain some comfort that I've needed to gain. You need to take this time and focus on your spiritual health. Mom, your spiritual health. Dad, your spiritual health. Husband, your spiritual health. Health. Wife. Because you will never be the mother, the father, the husband or wife that God has called you to be if you are not spiritually in the place where you need to be. Oh man, you can, you can know the principles of every um, Gary Chapman seminar that's ever been given. But unless you know the spiritual power and principles behind those and know how to apply them because at the time of rest that was necessary for you, you got into the word and allowed Jesus to minister peace to your soul and wisdom to your soul and restoration to your soul, you'll never practice them in the right way. Allow him and allow yourself to focus on your own spiritual health. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. You want that peace? Trust in God. You want that peace? Learn to rest on God. And thirdly, allow him to lead you to a place of restoration. And it's last because I think it's the hardest one for us to get to. I'd be lying this morning if I'd uh, said that my mind, part of my mind, isn't down at base state right now. You see the sun in me this morning. Son in me this morning is scared my dad's not coming home. I don't like that. 
hope he does. My mom doesn't think he's coming home. I hope he does. But I don't know. And that's tough. And that's life. And I spent time praying this morning. And I said, God, I really want to go down there and be with my dad. <clears throat> but I know what my father would say to me. Get out of this hospital room and go do what you were called to do. And I had to spend some time praying and allowing God to restore in me what I needed to get the job done. Because this morning was one of those times, folks, that we all face. That it just takes everything out of you that you've got. It takes everything. This is a road I've never walked before. Some of you have been there. Some of you have lost parents. I've been blessed. <clears throat> but it takes everything out of you. I knew that I needed to spend some time going to my source of rest and restoration. And it's the only way I've gotten through the morning. And I'm sorry. It's not about me and that's not what I intended. But I know that many of us get to this point in life whether it's a, a parent struggling with their last breath, whether it's our children going through difficulties, whether it's a troubled marriage, whether it's the job, whatever the situation is, it wears us out. It takes every ounce of our spiritual energy to get through. And if one more brick was laid on the pile, everything would come crashing down. I was there this morning. And I knew that I had to go to my source. Listen, it's not a shame to go to your source. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. You're a child of God called to serve. And he wants to restore you when you need it. We've got to learn to allow him to restore us. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Remember the uh, Andy Griffith commercial? What are you hungry for when you don't know what you're hungry for? Something on a crisp Ritz cracker, right? <clears throat> Laura, is Laura Velasquez in here? Laura, Laura's Puerto Rican, and uh, she makes macaroni and cheese. She makes great macaroni and cheese. Pete makes great macaroni and cheese. Laura makes great macaroni and cheese. But Laura came to our, our uh, fellowship one time. This has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. I just <laughs> wanted to say this, because uh, it's Ritz crackers. Uh, Laura brought to one of our, our uh, potlucks, she brought mac and cheese, and she says, and she's real proud. She says, I put crackers on the top, Ritz crackers. I said, great. She says, well, I know that's how white people like their mac and cheese. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Mmm. Something on a crisp Ritz cracker. point is this. Sometimes you don't know what you're hungry for spiritually. Sometimes you have no understanding or clue of what God has for you or God, what God wants for you or what tomorrow is going to bring. 
and if you haven't allowed yourself to be restored through the spiritual rest that God wants to give, then, it's, then, then you're going to struggle and collapse. Allow him to be your source. Rest in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. God, what a, what a great turnout, what a great Sunday morning it's been. Great time of worship, great time of fellowship. Lord, I'm so thankful for these folks who <clears throat> are spending part of their summer on a, on a Sunday morning here at New Life. God, we're talking about rest. Lord, we're so busy. Lord, sometimes, I mean, we focus this morning on, on us taking on too much, Lord, but sometimes there's so much thrown at us that we just don't realize we need to take time to rest. Lord, I guess I would focus on one thing in prayer for all of us this morning. And I would ask that you would help us to, to get beyond the guilt that we associate with taking a break and resting. Lord, I know we, we talked about the story of you sleeping during the storm, but I think that's such a, a perfect picture of what you want us to understand that rest is, that life goes on. And if we're going to be effective, we need to be able to take time to rest because we'll be our most effective when we do. That's when we find your heart. Father, teach us what that is all about. Some of us, Lord, boy, we'd be preschoolers when it comes to this topic. Would you help us take that first step? Lord, as we go from this place today, would you bless us? Would you watch over us? Keep us safe. Lord, may we go forward as ministers and worshipers for you. Love you, Lord. Dismiss us with your blessing.